9.20. It's actually 9.35. So <laughs> in case you're like, man, he's getting done really early today. Uh, all right. Everybody doing well? We doing okay? Week five in our Heaven series. Uh, let's begin with some prayer, shall we? Give this time to God. Father, uh, we say give this time to you. This, this time is yours already, Father. So we acknowledge that, and we ask you to... Uh, Help us to fall in line with the understanding that this is your time. And may we be good stewards of this time, Father. Uh, Give me your enabling grace to teach uh, your truths from your word, Lord God, so that we can be blessed and uh, know more clearly what it is we're looking forward to and the promise of the new heaven and the new earth, that promise you've given us in Christ Jesus, the better country we have ahead of us, Father. And, And as we crystallize our understanding of it, Father, may it enable us today to live more faithful, joyful lives, Lord, in Christ, knowing that, Father, everything you have created will be restored, and actually more than restored, Father God. It will be uh, more than paradise, Father. There will be no chance to even sin, no, no opportunity for sin to be present at all. And that's a wonderful, beautiful thing. So now as we meditate more on heaven, Father, uh, I pray that you would help each of these Uh, congregants, Lord, this morning to engage with their minds and with their hearts. And Father, may the ripples of this message uh, go beyond this church into the lives of the people and lives of the people they know and so on, so that you may be exalted as you deserve to be. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Okay. Let's get started. All right, so this is week five in our Heaven series, replacing what we've heard with what God has revealed And the last few weeks, we've been looking at a number of things. So the first week, we we talked about the necessity for us to have a clearer understanding of heaven. We have to uh, dispel some of the false ideas that we've been told, that we grew up hearing as children. And and even in local churches that we were members of in the past, we have to um, think also that heaven is more imaginable than we realize so we can have a picture of what heaven's going to be like. Yes, it will exceed our expectations, no doubt, right? But it will be so much better. And that thought, that, that, um, that better country and having a better understanding of that better country that he, Hebrews 11 talks about is going to uh, give us more motivation now, today, to live faithfully for Christ. And so um, we talked about how Hebrews 11 doesn't even make sense unless uh, heaven is a place where we should want to go, not just, oh, well, it's better than hell, right? Uh, I, I want to go there because it's better than hell. It's, that's the alternative. I'd rather go there. No, it is not just a, a neutral area. It is something that far exceeds anything we can hope for even. We can hope for, we can imagine that it's going to exceed that in terms of greatness, joy, and uh, being with our Savior, the one who has given us everything we have in Christ. Um, also, we uh, talked about, we've been talking about how our bodies will be different, the upgrade that we will receive. Not that we won't be ourselves, we will be ourselves, but there will be a, a serious upgrade to our bodies. Um, we also talked about how the curse will be lifted and what that's going to mean. I mean, that there won't be the possibility for sin, like Adam and Eve, right? They, they uh, in, in the garden before the fall, they had the opportunity or they could sin or not sin, right? They had that opportunity, so they chose to sin. Uh, The snake, Satan, was in the garden, right? That's not going to be allowed. 
in heaven. There's, there's no possibility to be tempted in heaven. There's no, uh, I think uh, what is uh, Revelation says, no detestable thing will enter heaven, right? No evil uh, enemy of God. They'll be destroyed. They'll be in the lake of fire. So there's no possibility of sin existing in heaven. The curse will be completely lifted in that way. And um, this morning, I want to talk about what we will be doing in heaven. What's going to be going on? If you were here the first week, we talked about how uh, many of us grew up believing that the only thing we'll be doing is singing. All we're going to be doing is singing in heaven. So it's just going to be constantly singing. Are we, I think we're getting some, yeah. I was like, that's not me, is it? I don't have a woman's voice. Um, let's see, yeah. Hold on. Okay. Let's, uh, chapel. We good? Yeah. All right. Very good. Not that the song wasn't beautiful, right? I mean, it was appropriate, right? I was talking about singing in heaven and this voice comes out of nowhere. Right? Oh, that's great. Um, so uh, it's going to be more than that. Yes, there will be singing. Yes, we will be exalting God with our voices. And I think we're going to have perfect pitch too, which will be awesome for you who can't sing. <laughs> okay, well, let's get started. What are we going to be doing in heaven. Have your Bibles ready here. We will work in heaven. And all the teenagers said, no, we will be working in heaven, but it's going to be a different work. All right. Um, Let's turn to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, verses 26 and 27. Okay. Someone read that text of scripture for us, if you don't mind. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, loudly. Good, good. Okay, we need to get some more chairs in here. Real quick, we're, we're going to touch on that, but I want to make sure we get some chairs. Let's see, where are we holding those? Just one second. Who wants to help me? Calvin, Graham? Yeah. Hey, Nate. Okay, let's see. Let's look in the next classroom. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Got him? Okay. What? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that should be enough. Let's see if we need any more. My mic's still on. It is, isn't it? You guys are hearing everything I'm saying. Okay. Are we good? We got about nine chairs there, ten. They didn't want to use those? Brad is a builder. Brad says it's going to be okay. You think it's going to be okay, Brad? Okay. We'll, we'll, it'll do for this morning. No worries. Okay. we got a couple more up here, too. I won't spit on you. Promise. Okay. Excellent. All right. We've got some more coming in. Okay. So uh, Nathan read Genesis 1, 26 and 27. What is that saying about us? 
We're made in God's image. And what does that mean? Unpack that for us. What does it mean to be made in God's image? We reflect certain things about God. Like, what are some examples of the ways that we reflect God? We creativity? Good. He, he is creator. We can create. Now, we don't create, a, create out of nothing like he did, but we do. Uh, we can be creative. We can take what he has made, and we can uh, make art and music, and we can construct. Absolutely. Some other things. We can reason. We've got logic. We, we have minds. God has a mind. We have a mind. Think. Good. What else? So, morality. Okay. The capacity for uh, morality. Oh, absolutely. To um, do something good or to not do something good. Uh, he, that's not part of his, but we, we chose to run away from perfect morality. But he is always good. We have that capacity as well in being made in his image. Anything else? Emotion. God's a, yes. I love it. I think it's First Timothy chapter 2. I can't remember the exact verse, but um, Paul talks about the, uh, the happy God, the gospel of the happy God or blessed God, right? You'll, you'll look and in that verse and will say, blessed, blessed is another word for happy. He is a happy God. He is more happy than we can, uh, we can imagine. People think that he's a boring God, that he's a God that's always firm on his brow, that just wants to squash us and take away our happiness. Not true. He is happy. He delights in himself and he delights in us as he works through us. So these are ways that we are made in the image of God. Now, um, God is a worker, right? Does God work? Certainly God works. We are made in God's image, and if he is a worker, he has made us to work as well. If we look at uh, Genesis 2.15, if you look at, uh, check that out for me. Genesis 2.15, if you look in that same text here, that's right, my binding fell off my Bible this week, and so I'm trying to work this out. Someone read that for us, please. That's right. So when is this taking place? Is this pre-fall, after the fall? Before the fall. Work is being done. Adam is cultivating the garden. He is working before the fall, before sin enters the world, right? And then you see in chapter 3, if you just flip over, verses 17 through 19, that's when work gets hard, right? Because of the fall, right? We'll, uh, we will work, or Adam will work by the sweat of his brow. It'll be toil. Right? It's no longer work that's enjoyable, but um, uh, work that is hard. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't enjoy work. Let me, let me say that. Let me clarify. We can enjoy work, but it doesn't mean that work is easy. It's hard for us now because of the fall. That's one of the aspects of the curse. So, um, but we have to remind ourselves that work is not a result of the fall. Okay? Work was present in the garden before sin entered the world. Okay, and kind of like I've already said, I just uh, turn with me, if you will, briefly to John five seventeen. Jesus says here, "My Father is working until now, and I myself am working." 
Father is working. The Son is working. Certainly, it's not in this text, but the Holy Spirit is working. And we looked at Genesis 1, 26 and 27. As God's image bearers, we are made to work. Pre-fall, post-fall, and post-resurrection, right? As we look at um, the garden before the fall, Adam was working. Then, yes, he is working after the fall, even though it is toil, even though it is a burden. But that, uh, that theme carries on into post-resurrection. New earth, work will be done. We will work. Now, let's, let's talk briefly about work. Is, is work enjoyable for you, even though it's hard? Can you enjoy work right now, post-fall? Sure you can. What kind of work do you like to do? Guys, what, what do you like to do? What kind of work do you like to do? What do you enjoy? Like, do you like working with your hands? Who, who, who's uh, into carpentry? Anybody in here? Very, really? You made a China cabinet? Oh, man. I'm calling you, okay? Like, I need some more furniture. Get to work. <laughs> right. You like to work with our hands. It's, it's enjoyable. I know when I was a teenager, my dad had 110 rose bushes in our backyard. And every spring, I got out there and worked with him. He, he made me wake up early on a Saturday morning to go pick all the weeds and the soil ready to plant some, um, some new uh, rose bushes and prune those things and everything like that. And I would always get my hands all cut up because there's all these dead branches from the rose bushes in the soil. Um, and I, I always told my dad, it was, you know, I kind of rolled my eyes at my dad every time he told me to go to bed, but I secretly enjoyed it. I secretly enjoyed doing that, getting out in the morning. Yeah, it was, it was hard and there was an aspect of it that I didn't like, but, you know, we'd get done and it felt good to work, you know? It felt good to use my hands. Ladies, you like to work. Do you, you like to work around the house? I mean, yes, of course, you know, it's like things keep piling up and piling up. It's like, I thought I just washed clothes. Seriously. I thought everything was clean two days ago. And you got to do more. But there are aspects of it that you enjoy. You like getting done with a work, a do-it-yourself project, right? You can stand back and look at it. I mean, that was, that was fun to do. And it's fun to look at the result. And, you know, here, what happens generally when, uh, when we're lazy? When we just don't work, we decide not to work. Is, is that an enjoyable feeling, physically even? No. I mean, when I don't, when I'm being lazy, if I if I take um, a little too much time to rest, I think God has made me this way so that He and so I'll get off my rear and and work because I get this, these headaches. If I don't work, if I don't, uh, if I rest too much, if I sleep too long, I get headaches. Um, we don't feel good physically. We kind of feel just, blah, you know, when you, you rest too much, right? And, you know, when you rest too much, I mean, you could you start to get a little depressed too, don't you? It, it doesn't feel good emotionally not to work. And um, it's not good. I mean, they, they say that when people retire from their jobs at the end of their lives, they need to keep active. They need to still be working, still doing what they can because it's not good for our bodies physically not to work. So... Work is enjoyable, but imagine without any of the hardship of work, what it would be like in heaven. Without all the things that make work annoying. You know, that take what you, do, what you like and what you enjoy about work and then say, okay, all the stuff I don't like about work is not going to be present in heaven. We will certainly work. Now, if we look at Genesis 128, 
Right? This is the, uh, just go back to that context we were in. Here is God's original command to Adam and Eve. God, may, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So that's the original command uh, pre-fall. Is there reason to believe that God's original command of dominion, right, subduing the earth, right, uh, having dominion over um, the earth, is that going to change? Is there reason to believe that it will change? That's what he told them to do pre-fall and Certainly, we, we still do that now, even though we can't do it perfectly, but is there any reason for us to believe that it will change? There's nothing in Scripture that says there will be um, something different than that in heaven. Now, look at this. If you want to turn to Isaiah 65, and this is, we know this already, but it's interesting to see it mentioned here in the Old Testament. Isaiah 65 17. Someone read that for us. Isaiah 65, 17. Mason, you got that? Yeah. Sorry about that. Did you get it? Somebody else, maybe. New heavens and a new earth. It's mentioned in the Old Testament as well. Isn't that interesting? We see it, obviously, in Revelation, but it's also a prophecy that's given back in Isaiah. Okay, so think about this. God left the name of our planet in the name of the future heaven. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? He he left the name of our planet in the name of what will be the future heaven after the resurrection. Why do you think he did that? If there's not continuity, right? If there's not continuity, why did he call it earth? It, it, it is going to be earth without the curse. This, this earth will be remade, recreated, but without sin. So why would we believe that the commandment for dominion, to subdue the earth, to have some, some authority and responsibilities to work would change. So work. In heaven, we will work without failing. We will fulfill our service to God perfectly. Without failure. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you're anything like me when it comes to work, it takes many tries for to get something even acceptable to a normal person, okay? Failure after failure. When you're trying to do something, you're working hands now or I, i've got to do it very very slowly to make sure that i'm not making errors all over the place right but there will be work there won't be failure it won't be like oh, i gotta try again for the you know 15th time now fulfill our service to him perfectly i'm gonna trip over this thing um we'll fulfill our service to him perfectly there won't be failure we'll have perfect excellence as we do work for him so we will work in heaven. It's not just going to be us, uh, like we talked about the first week, uh, having our own personal cloud, just kind of floating around everywhere, singing, playing the harp, you know, and 
doing what else? Uh, only looking at a blue background with maybe some clouds, maybe seeing some gold because the, the streets are made of gold, maybe seeing some pearl because the gates are made of pearl, but otherwise, that's all we're doing. No, no. Work. It's a new earth. Okay. What else? What else are we going to be doing in heaven? We will reign with Christ in heaven. Now, let me just start out this point by saying, we don't know everything about what this means. Uh, we, there's a lot of, um, I, mean, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's some ambiguity. What's this going to look like? We're not exactly sure. But we know, we're told in the scriptures, we will reign with Christ. Okay, uh, let's turn to Revelation 2.10. The other extreme. This side of the Bible. Revelation 2.10. Seth, I know you're there, man. You want to read that for us? Be faithful until the end, and I will give you the crown of life. Is that the only place in the New Testament that talks about us receiving a crown upon entering God's eternal kingdom? Now, there, I mean, there are many. I mean, uh, I, would, I would dare say more than I think I can think of. I can think of probably 10 off the top of my head where scriptures are talking about the crown that we will receive in glory. What does a crown suggest? What does it suggest? Rick? Royalty? What else? You're right Right about that. What, royalty suggests what? Authority. Yeah. Royalty. Uh, authority. We will reign. The fact that the New Testament tells us we will be rewarded with crowns suggests that we will reign. We'll have that authority with Christ. Now look uh, with me at Luke 19, 17. The parable of Jesus implies... Authority in heaven. Luke nineteen seventeen. Who will read that for us? Someone jump on that, please. Over ten seconds. Now this is a. This is a parable of Jesus, but it, it implies that faithfulness here on earth, as we choose to do God's will by his grace, um, to the degree that we are faithful, um, the authority will be given on the new earth will be increased exponentially. Ten cities. Ten cities because of that faithfulness. You know, uh, so the, the implication is there that we will have authority and that it will... Uh, it will increase to the degree we are faithful here on earth, right? So the amount of charge or authority we're given in heaven increases exponentially with our faithfulness on earth now. But here's, here's the thing. Um, something you need to remember about this promise. As we're faithful here on earth, we will have authority in the new heaven. It's not a success of your work, though. It's not about the success of uh, your work. You may be faithful 
and you don't have any of the results you were hoping for or any of the results that this society would expect you to have for working hard, right, and laboring for the kingdom. But as we, we looked at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Dan preached on that a few weeks ago, your labor in the Lord is not in vain, right? Just because you have the effects that you think you should have or the world thinks you should have by working hard does not mean that you haven't been faithful. It doesn't mean you have not served in the Lord. And so obedience, obedience is the key. It's the, not success according to the world standards. Yeah, Alex. That's right. Exactly. And so what, what's happening here is um, the, the, the desire of Jesus is to teach in such a way be faithful now. Well, whether or not the kingdom comes soon for them, be faithful in the end, you will reward more authority. Right, and you think I don't, I don't like being an authority. Okay, I'm not one of those people. I just want to have people tell me what to do. Okay, well, again, uh, we're not going to have all of um, the effects of sin in the new earth. You know, the the insecurities that we have are not going to be present in heaven. We will enjoy this reign. We will enjoy this authority. It'll be sweet to us. Okay, let's keep going here. What else? What can we expect our relationships to be like? You know, are we going to be hanging out with each other? Is there going to be social time? Are we going to have some fellowship? What are our relationships going to be like? Here's a, here's a good question. Will we be so consumed with God that we won't care about anyone else? Right? I, I, I've assumed this in the past. I, I, I'm not going to. Who's standing next to me? I don't know. Because I'm so consumed with God, I'm so consumed with Christ that um, I, I don't care about anybody else. And not in a, you know, you think, well, not necessarily in a sinful way because there's no sin in heaven, but are we going to have time for each other because we'll be worshiping Christ and serving him perfectly? Of course. Now look at this. Before the fall, God did not think it was good for Adam to be alone, right? Before the fall, he says, it is not good. Everything else he looked at that was good, right? Everything he had created up to that point, he said, it's good, it's good, it's good. But then he gets to man, he says, it's not good for you to be alone, right? Makes some animals, that, that's not the trick. So he says, no, makes the woman. So even before sin, God says it's not good for Adam to be by himself. That's important. Now, look with me at another text. Psalm 27, verse 4. Who will read that? Okay. This is uh, um, Randy Alcorn drew my attention to this. Um, he says this. He says one thing. 
one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek. But it sounds like he's saying two things, doesn't it? Look at the text. I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple, right? So it sounds like he's saying, I I want to be where God is, and I want to see God. I want to see his beauty. So I want to be in his temple. I want to be in his place, and I also want to know him, and I want to see his beauty. sounds like he's saying um, two things, two things I'm seeking, two things I'm asking. But no, he says one thing. Being in God's place and seeing God's beauty, it can't be separated. It can't be uh, broken apart, right? And so um, we look at Psalm 27.4, enjoying the aspects of heaven will not be separated from enjoying God. We will enjoy heaven and the aspects of heaven, the beauty of the new creation, uh, relationships, the people that God has saved, and we will actually enjoy aspects of heaven in order to enjoy God. It's not like you're going to be enjoying the new creation and enjoying relationships with other people, and God's not going to be in that, right? It's actually uh, you working, viewing the beauty of uh, the relationships that you have, the beauty of the new creation, the work that you will do will all be unto God's glory perfectly. There's not going to be sin. Remember, there's not going to be sin in the new heaven. So we think what's going to happen is, uh, if we're thinking according to a sinful, finite mindset, we uh, are under in the curse here. We think, okay, but so often, even my, my family, I, I, I treat them like they're more important than God sometimes. Or, or I treat work like it's more important than God. I exalt work. You know, work becomes an idol. Or, you know, uh, leisure and, and, and uh, as I do for fun, that becomes more important than God. But all the things we'll do, in, it, there won't be the opportunity for you to make idols out of those things. They'll be enjoyed perfectly unto God's glory. That is true of these relationships because God's bride will be there present in heaven. We will enjoy each other perfectly unto his wondrous majesty. Now, um, 1 Corinthians 10.31, what does it say? Anybody remember that text? 1 Corinthians 10.31. We can quote that. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, right? Whatever you do, do all unto the glory of God. Do all unto the glory of God. So he, and he mentions eating and drinking, right? So we've got to remember here that we could not obey this commandment, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, if it was not, if it was necessary for enjoyment of God's creation to be separated from giving him glory. See what I'm saying? Uh, we couldn't obey 1 Corinthians 10.31 if we had to uh, separate enjoyment of the things that God has made from enjoyment of him. No, we can take what God has made. We can take people. We can take food. We can take drink. And we can glorify God through it. And certainly, that will be true in heaven, except there's no mixture of sin in our hearts as we're doing this. Okay. Let's look at... Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Matthew 
Okay, so he gives two commandments. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Well, um, how can we obey the second one and obey the first one at the same time? How can we, how can we do that? How is that possible? We have to obey both commandments, but are we loving our neighbor as ourself as we're loving the Lord? Of course. He's given the second commandment, right? He's, he's telling us how we will love him by loving each other, right? Love him by loving each other. Essentially what we're saying here and what Jesus is, the reason why he gives two commandments. Oh, what just happened here? Mm, yikes. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, you can't obey the greatest commandment without obeying the second greatest commandment. Right? So essentially, you know, you could say, um, really, there's one commandment. The second greatest commandment is inside the first greatest commandment, right? Because you, you have to love other people as yourself if you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right? So we can derive that loving each other in heaven will be a way in which we obey God perfectly there. Continuing on. Will we know our loved ones in heaven? This is one, this is a question that's asked often. Am I going to know my sons, my daughters, my, my, my dad, my mom, that those who died in Christ, will I know them there? Will, will I be able to recognize them? Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Uh, just read along with me as I journey through this text here. Uh, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, right? Those who have died, okay? Uh, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, those who have died in Christ, Right? For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Now listen, therefore, comfort one another with these words. What, how can we summarize this text? What is uh, Paul doing? He's, uh, he's telling the Thessalonians uh, something that is true in order to comfort them. What is he telling them to comfort them? What's he saying? Summarize it for us. Yes. There's going to be a reunion. Uh, those who you knew previously who have died in Christ, those who have already died and they were believers as well, 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 someday you're going to be reunited with them. Christ is going to return and you'll be joined up with those people you knew those loved ones of yours who died in Christ, you'll be joined up with them when Christ returns, right, in, in the resurrection, or, you know, depending on what your eschatology is, right? Um, you'll be joined up with them. That, there's no doubt about that. You will have reunion. 
And so if there is no recognition of other people that you've loved in this life who have died in Christ, if there's not going to be any recognition of those people in heaven, this isn't comforting, is it? Is it? It's not. Because he's saying comfort each other with these words, meaning you'll have a a reunion. I mean, what's a reunion when you don't recognize the people, right? There's there's no reunion. You know, I, I don't know you from, you know, Adam. So it doesn't really make a difference. Who, who's this guy? Who's this guy? I, I don't know. No, we love Jesus. Go Jesus, you know? Um, it's not going to be like that. There's going to be recognition. There's going to be reunion. And that's why these words are comforting. You will join them again. And so, yes, it suggests we will know each other. Now, um, also, when we look at, when well, we've already looked at these in our, so there you go. You have the blank there. Without the hope of reunion in heaven, this text would make not make sense. We've already looked at these other texts here. Uh, John 21, 6 through 7, Luke 24, 39. These are uh, the interactions that the disciples had with Jesus after his resurrection, right? He returns 40 days. He's there. And um, he has these interactions with his disciples. And there's recognition, right? right there, uh, they know who he is. And they, they talk to him, and they enjoy eating with him, right? And he says, um, look, here, here are the scars. Right here, and right here, here are the scars. There's, there's continuity, right? He, why would he show his scars to them if, unless those scars were meant for them to recognize him with, right? He was showing them, recognize, it's me, Jesus, see the scars, there was recognition. So um, it implies that these relationships will pick up where we left off. That when, when I get to see you again, we'll pick up where we left off. That it's suggested, it's implied in these things, I think. So yes. Any questions there? Any questions about the things we've, we've delved into so far? Okay, let's keep going here. Will there be marriage in heaven? Will there be marriage in heaven? Okay, so you guys know the text, right? Let's, let's turn there. Matthew um, 22, 23 through 40. So you can have your eyes on it. So the Sadducees are trying to trick Jesus, right? And um, how are they trying to trick him? Questions about marriage. Yeah, that's right. If if a person, uh, if a wife has a husband, husband dies, she marries his brother and so on, and that, that brother dies and marries the next brother, whose wife is this woman in heaven? And so what does Jesus say? What's his what's his answer? Verse 30, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. So he seems to be saying, there's not, there's not going to be marriage in heaven. But let's look at another text, Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. This whole text, starting in verse 22 is given as instruction to husbands and wives. Here's how you should be interacting in marriage. 
husbands, love your wife. Christ loved the church. Uh, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. And what does he say in verses 31 and 32? So read that for us. Those words tell us that marriage here on earth is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of Christ, the bridegroom, and the church, the bride, and the union we have with him through faith in him, right? By death and resurrection. So um, marriage now points to the intimacy and the glory of the marriage of the bride, the church, to the bridegroom, Christ. So is it that God made marriage first and the gospel points to the reality of marriage, right? It sounds like, you know, whenever you go to Genesis, you've got marriage taking place in Genesis chapter 2, right? Adam and Eve are married there. That's what comes first, right? So you think, okay, well, the gospel, you know, comes along later. Does, does that point to the reality of marriage? No, marriage is always meant to be a picture, always meant to be a shadow of the one marriage of the church to Christ. God always planned for marriage to be a shadow, a picture of that marriage. So will there be marriage in heaven? There will be only one marriage in heaven, the marriage of Christ to his bride, the church, which our marriages now are only a shadow of. And if they're only a shadow of that marriage, then even the joy you have with your spouse here on earth is just it's just a taste of the marriage we'll have to the bridegroom, Christ, whenever we're in the new creation with him. Just, just a foretaste, right? You think, I, I love my, my spouse so much, I can't imagine being happier. No, there will, be, there will be happiness, more than you can possibly grasp mentally. Okay, so there is going to be one marriage. Now, here, let me say this. This does not mean that you're going to lose the closeness that you share with your spouse today, now. Okay? Because Jesus said, yes, the institution of human marriage would end, right? The institution would end, but it doesn't mean that the closeness, the intimacy, the, uh, that relational you know, closeness and proximity uh, emotionally and spiritually, are you going to lose that whenever you go to heaven? Uh, I love uh, Randy Alcorn. He, he says, I think, this is him but he says, I think that when I get to heaven, um, other than Christ, the person, the best will still be my wife. She's my best friend. We have this closeness that I don't share with anybody else here on earth. And so when I get to heaven, I anticipate that I will know her more than I know anybody else. And yes, the other relationships I share with the other people in the church will, will be great. They'll be wonderful. There'll, there won't be any conflict in those relationships, but I'll have already known this woman better than I've known anybody else, and our closeness will continue, right? Other relationships will get close as well, but he anticipates that he'll know her the best still. That there's not a reason to believe that won't be true. So marriage, it'll be one marriage, and it'll be so much better than we can even enjoy with the greatest of marriages and the most healthy of marriages here on earth. Let's get one more point in. 
Will there be art, entertainment, sports in heaven? Good question, right? Have you ever been curious as to there being art in heaven? Now, uh, if we look, we've already talked about this a little bit. Someone mentioned this as one of the ways that we are made in the image of God, which is our creativity, right? God made us as creative beings before the fall. Right? He is the creator. He will be the one that will uh, the create the new earth. Right? We won't create the new earth. He will do that. But we will use things inside that new earth to be creative unto his glory. Right? Um, we will still be creative. He made us to be creative beings. Why would we all of a sudden stop being creative beings? Because we're in the new earth. Is there anything inherently sinful about being creative? Of course, of course not. Because creativity is uh, an attribute that God has and an attribute he's given to us as well. So we see Revelation 14, 2 through 3, Revelation 15, 2, musical instruments are seen. Play harps. Yes, that's why, that's why you have harps in cartoons because the harps are referred to in the book of Revelation but musical instruments are there. Singing is there in heaven. So that's an example of the arts, right? Singing, pitch, right? Melody line, the, the different sounds the instruments make. God made those sounds. God made music, and he made them so that he would be glorified through them. I believe that they will be there uh, according to the scriptures on the new earth. Now, what about this? We're, talk, we're thinking Entertainment. Obviously, when you hear the word entertainment, is crazy. You, you know, you think, okay, Hollywood, right? And all of the baggage that goes along with that. Not going to have a Hollywood on the new earth in the way that we think about it, right? Um, in terms of the immorality that goes along with it. So uh, let's look at Luke 6. Is that it? Yeah. Luke 6, 21 and 23. Someone read those two verses, just 21 and 23, not 22. Am I, is that the wrong text? You looked at me weird. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, what I'm suggesting from those two verses, uh, Luke 6, 21 and 23, is the fact that there'll be laughter, right? Uh, there'll be this joy, this, well, this freedom to laugh appropriately, this freedom to laugh joyfully because of the greatness of the gospel and what Christ has achieved for us and the, the, the freedom we have from sin, the freedom we have from conflict and all the effects of sin, right? There will be laughter. We will laugh later, right? Uh, and we see from verse 23, okay? Be glad in that day, in that day, okay? And leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. So, Heaven is the place that is the context of those verses. There will be laughter there. Gospel-centered laughter, right? 
Laughter doesn't have to be at something that is crude. It doesn't have to be at something that is hurtful, okay, and obnoxious. It can be wholesome, God-filled, joy-filled, appropriate laughter because sin has been removed from the equation, and we will laugh. There, there's, there's burdens now because of sin, because of our own sin, because of our hearts, because of the consequences of sin in this world. But in the day when we are in heaven, there will be laughter, gospel-centered laughter. I think there will be uh, that freedom to, to laugh at things that are wholesome. Is there anything, here's a question, is there anything inherently sinful about sports exploring, playing, or adventuring. Um, it, and it will be a new earth, right? A new creation. Trees, mountains, rivers, not affected by the fall, right? Um, we'll be using our bodies. We talked about how we'll be using our bodies for, for the Lord working. What will we work if there's there's nothing but just whiteness, just you know, maybe be one street, like, you know, the, the gold brick road, right? There'll be a, an earth to um, We'll be using our bodies. I, I, is there reason to, to believe that we won't be playing, right? I, I love to play, right? I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be 31 this week, okay? I, but I love to play. You know, I, when I had kids, I was jazzed because all of a sudden it, I, I can play and it's not weird, Okay, it's like I can, I'm, I'm freed up to play because I got children. And if they see a 31-year-old man playing with his kids, no big deal. If they see a 31-year-old man playing by himself, that's creepy, right? <laughs> no creepiness when you're playing in heaven for the glory of God, using your body, enjoying his creation, running, playing games without the fact that sin gets in the way. And, and think about sports. Okay, I remember uh, playing basketball on Monday nights uh, in college when I was home for the summers, and the, uh, we used to play uh, basketball, men's basketball at the church Monday nights. And uh, we got together, and uh, just men from, you, you had like 16-year-olds, you had guys who were like uh, you know, 45, 46, stuff like that. Some of the elders were there playing basketball. And I remember, man, tempers would flare, right? I mean, all of a sudden, you don't pass the ball right, and you know, one of the elders is like on you. You know, what was that? I remember seeing that and thinking, my goodness. And and to to think about that and how we can play to the glory of God in heaven um, and we will be worshiping him as we do that without tempers flaring because the ball wasn't passed correctly or, you know, uh, an opportunity was missed or he didn't make that play. I mean, there's not going to be any of that. It'll be fun. There's fun to be had to the glory of God on the new earth, with our new bodies, and there's not anything inherently sinful about that. Exploring, adventuring, all perfectly unto his glory. No separation there. It's not going to be like, I'll enjoy this, or this, or this more than God. It'll all be worshipped to him constantly. Okay, any questions? Any comments? Anything? Yes, Russ? Yes. So when we enjoy the gift of what he gives us, we ought to enjoy the love he's given to us. That's right. Enjoy everything we do. I just keep thinking about it. When I think about heaven, I think about all 
all those things that we sinfully do here, or we partially do here, yeah. are going to be perfectly present. That's right. Absolutely. And it is. There, there won't be a disconnect. You know, we think, okay. This or that. Yeah. Exactly. Because when we think about these things, when we think about uh, laughter, we think about sports, or we think about some of the things that we do in terms of hobbies, we think, can we really do that in, in heaven? We're really going to be doing that in heaven? And I think the reason why we think that is because we think of the sinful, sinful aspects of those. Like, I don't know. Can we really do that to God? Well, first of all, if you can't do it to God's glory here, why are you doing it? <laughs> first of all, right? Because everything should be for his glory. But um, obviously, if you can eat and drink to the glory of God, you can, you can play to the glory of God. You can, you can laugh to the glory of God. You can, you can play instruments and, and paint to the glory of God. Those things can be done, and there's no disconnect between doing that thing and worshiping God. There's no separation there. Absolutely. Isn't that wonderful to think about? Yes, Chuck. Yeah, I, I think I, that's a good question. I think that um, in the new earth, because there won't be any tears, because and whenever that last part of the Bible, the last two chapters of Revelation are given, it says he will wipe away every tear, there will be no sadness in heaven. So I, I don't think that um, there'll be sadness and grief there, but that's not to say that we won't remember um, what happened on earth, remembering our loved ones who died without Christ, and I think even then, though, uh, we will rejoice in the fact that God is just. We will rejoice perfectly in the fact that God is, is awesome and that uh, he, he saved many, right? But uh, I don't think there will be sadness over that. Yes? I'll let you know. Well, I, I think we're going to have rocket boosters. I, 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 space suits, it's all going to be there, you know, and I'm there. Okay. I have no idea. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that, to be honest with you, Rick. I, I, I don't feel bad about just saying, I, I don't know. So it's a good question. I mean, I, I'm curious, you know, as to what's the distinction there, you know. So uh, anyway, um, I can look into that a little bit and see if anybody's answered that, but I haven't run across anything yet. So, yes, Claudia. Yes, sir. Okay, good, good question. Um, I, I think that uh, we, we see in, I think it's Revelation 6, where the martyrs are there in, in the present heaven, and they call to God in one voice, it says. Obviously, they're martyrs from different countries, right? but they call it in one voice. So I think there's going to be a language of heaven. That we're, it's going to be one language of heaven, but... Um, that's not to say that we, we won't ever speak the language from our native tongue. Perhaps we will, and it'll just be a way uh, to, you know, to distinguish the beauty of God that he saved people from every nation. You know? um, but there, will no, there won't be a, uh, a Tower of Babel kind of thing where no one understands what someone's talking about. There won't be that, oh, okay, what's he saying? Um, we will speak that one language, language of heaven. It's, it is one country. We read in Hebrews 11, it's a better country not countries. So I, I believe it's one, the new Jerusalem, right, uh, that's mentioned at the end of Revelation. The new Jerusalem comes down, and I don't think there's going to be you know, the, those boundaries and those dividing lines 
I think it's one country, we're speaking one language, but maybe uh, there's those languages that you'll speak you know, uh, from your, your homeland, but it'll just be a way to um, distinguish the fact that God is a great God who's saved from all nations, but there won't be a disconnect in terms of people not being able to understand that. That's uh, the best answer I think I got today. Any other questions? Well, this is not the last week. We'll have next week as well. So if you think of something this week, you can ask it next week also. But anything else? Okay. Good. Um, I'll be hanging out a couple minutes afterward if you think of something. Let's go ahead and pray. Justin, will you pray for us, sir? Amen. Good. All right. Thank you all.